Channing and Mackenzie here, and you're listening to Freshman Founders, a podcast for people who are interested in starting their first business and want to know how it really works. Whether you're a business major, interested in the startup lifestyle, or passionate about making a particular change in the world, this podcast is the one for you. Welcome back to Freshman Founders. Glad to be here. Channing, how are you today? I am great, Kens. I'm excited for this one. Feels a little full circle that we're going to be talking about validating your idea today. So this will be a good one. Yes, such an important topic. We've already done an episode on this exact topic of validating your idea. and But it's so important. We really get asked things like this all the time. So I wanted to make a whole nother episode just giving our updated thoughts, retouching on things that are really important when you're pre-launch of your business and really sharing our experiences since that first episode that we did, I think in 2018. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was one of our first episodes because it's the reason we really started the podcast in the first place was we kept noticing that these six questions were the questions that needed to be asked when people were thinking about starting that business. And people were asking us questions about how we started our business. So we kind of put them all together and then came out with this episode to say, this is how we at least began to validate our idea. And this is how we think you can work through the process. So yeah, so much has changed. Um, We have, as we've talked about, grown up with our business. And so the questions we're asking ourselves now and how we validate parts of our business have evolved. So we thought it'd be important to share those with you. Yep. I'm excited. And I also, I listened to the first episode that we did about four years ago now. Boy, do we sound young and fresh and not jaded at all, not burnt (laughs) out, just ready for life. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even think I sound like that anymore. Well, maybe we just have a lot more of a, uh, I hope it's not monotone to the listener, but I I could see that we um, maybe have a little, a few more years on us from this experience. (laughs) Oh yeah. All good things. Oh yeah. But so you have a business idea, you're ready to potentially, you know, wanting to go full time with this, depending on how far along you are in this idea. Um, but you know, let's say you're pre customer, you're pre product, you haven't actually made any revenue yet. You're just having a thought about this would be a good idea. And what are the, what's that very first thing you should do? We think there's probably about five things you should do before, you know, necessarily quitting your job or taking a bunch of raising a bunch of money or anything like that, or spending money to build a product you should check out the competition, I think is one of the first things you should do to research what other companies are out there. There's probably some, if not many companies that are doing something exactly like what you do or very similar. And even if there are companies that do things that you do uh, that solve the same problem you're solving, that's okay. That doesn't mean you shouldn't start that business but just you have to have something a little different. You have to have a different value proposition for the customers you're serving. Maybe you're serving a different customer, but you're providing the same service that somebody else is doing, or maybe you're doing it cheaper. Maybe you're doing it more efficiently. 
Maybe you're using technology to solve a problem that's usually been done manually. All kinds of things that you could be different from the competition already out there, but it's just good to be aware of who is out there. Yeah. And I mean, I know this happened to us when we were first getting started and I've noticed it with others when we're having conversations with people thinking about starting that idea is people get really nervous that others are out there doing something similar, or maybe they thought there was no one out there, but once they started to research, they found some. And something that we always like to iterate is it's good to have competition. That means yep. the even the market for the need is validated, let alone totally. your your individual idea. So you want to have that competition. And doing that analysis, like Mackenzie is saying, is extremely important. Yeah, maybe it feels like you know a business school project, but it, it's there for a reason. It's important to be able to lay out, you know, what's the differentiation in pricing, in feature set, in you know the different um, entry to market, how you're marketing yourself, what's your brand, what could your values be. Really taking a look at all of that um, because every customer is a little different, and you could be serving an entirely new customer segment that hasn't been served before. Exactly. That's right. And in our case, uh, we did talk about this before, but we are solving a problem that's been done for a long time. There's not, we're not really, you know, doing it in a totally different way or necessarily even serving a totally different type of customer, but we are bringing technology to, uh, we're bringing technology to the customers that are used to doing it manually. And even that has been a challenge for us because it's more efficient and it's cheaper and it's a faster way to do this process, but it is a change in behavior. So it's still something mm-hmm. that isn't so obvious. It, it's obvious to us why it should work. It's not obvious to everybody that could be our customer, but it's obvious to enough customers that we can have a viable business. Yeah, that that is a great point. And I think there's two things that stemmed from that for us that have evolved in our thinking on how to validate our idea um, that maybe we didn't initially share because we didn't know. Um, but there's two things that we really had to work on as we were, as some people joke around, like you're building the plane while you're flying it. And one of those things was, looking outside of just that um, direct cost, uh, competition, excuse me, um, because we were like, oh, here are fellow technology companies that are doing what we're doing, their competition. But also there could be other kinds of competition indirect. There could be a company that if they just shifted towards your offering, maybe they're serving your customer, but they shift to add your offering, they could be competition. Um, There's a lot of different ways that people can pop up and compete against you. So I think thinking ahead and thinking who are also those industries or competitors that could be more um, of an issue in the future are important to think about. And the second part that we didn't really think about, we knew we would need to, but I feel like every investor really harps on it for a reason is how are you creating that moat around you from that competition? And everyone really uh, focuses on IP and if you can own truly what you're building, but there's other ways to build those moats through marketing, first to market, um, partnerships, those things we had to kind of just fall into and figure out, but that's a huge part too of validating your idea. 
Another thing to be aware of when thinking about starting your business is who is willing to pay and how much are they willing to pay? A lot of people start a business because they've been working in an industry for a long time and see a need that's not there. So they've already identified their customers. Maybe they already even have customers before they start their business through relationships they had at a company. Um, And they know, hey, I could do this better than my company or this company that I know is out there doing it. There's plenty of opportunities like that. So that's great. If you already know exactly who your customers are, who, what types of people they are, if you have those relationships to start, even better. And if you don't, I would recommend talking to as many people as possible in that space, getting their feedback about what you're trying to do. Um, customer interviews are something that we used a ton when we got started. And I think that was one of the more successful tools we used before building a product, you know, instead of just assuming people would use it the way we liked or thought they would, actually letting them kind of design their own path on our website by just letting people kind of click around and make assumptions for themselves. That was something in talking to people and getting their feedback gave us ideas that we wouldn't have even have thought about. Yeah, the customer interviews were imperative. And it's also important that you don't lead the person to the answer you want to get out of them, really just leaving it open-ended for them to communicate with you what they think about the idea or what their pain points are, what kind of solution they would have in mind if they were to think about this a little bit more. And people, uh, their eyes get very wide when we say the number we recommend of customer interviews, but truly we recommend 100 because- you, if, okay, if you're going to expect to have more than a hundred customers, which we hope that happens, um, and, and many more then it's, we just have to even see, which leads us to the next one, but is your market size big enough and really being able to gauge with a small test sample of a hundred people, what, like, what are they actually feeling about this? And do you have the opportunity to really grow the business to more, uh, customer segments? Figuring out what to charge your customers is something you can also learn a lot about in those customer customer interviews. We didn't know, we had no idea, you know, what we should be charging and we also were a marketplace so we kind of had two people we could charge. So we didn't know what we should be charging. We ended up fi- uh, finding that we charged a percentage of a transaction, but that was only because we did look at some of the competition we had, saw what they did, saw where people were willing to pay, what they were paying in other places. And so it was easy for us to kind of figure out easily with that feedback, what we could charge. And we think that we're probably not even close to being done there. Like we'll probably add revenue streams, change our business model and how we charge because we're going to be continuing to get that feedback. I don't think our Uh, the way we charge now is going to be the only way we ever charge. Definitely not. And you're so right. I mean, the customer interviews are a great place to start to identify those potential price points and revenue streams because people have nothing to lose. That's what's so great about these interviews is they will be so brutally honest with you. And uh, you just got to, you know, keep 
keep your chin up, get through the interviews. Don't take it personally. Um, we know from experience and from others who have gone through them that we've talked to that it starts to get really overwhelming because people will just kind of rattle off things you've never thought of. And then you're questioning, do you need to do that? Make sure you go back to your core, which we've said b- before and, and just take in the insight and decide from it. But yeah, people will lay out exactly what they're willing to do and what they're absolutely not willing to do and listen to that because it's genuine. They have nothing to lose in the process of telling you what's on their mind. Yeah. So true about not taking it personally. I think fortunately we've gotten pretty good at that, but Mm -hmm. I know, you know, five years ago or so it was, it was a different story for sure. It was tough. Yeah. And the, I, I agree. I think what's cool about this concept of validating your idea is as entrepreneurs, you are constantly validating the idea. It's never done. We are building and it's all about building these layers of your business and how can you make it more um, structurally sound. And so when thinking about moving into the next question that we mentioned before, is your market size big enough? Also using that to say, with revenue streams too, like how can we grow with this and and thinking big, how can we add more layers to attract more kinds of customers? How can we make, if, if you're a marketplace like us, how can you make this marketplace more sticky? How can you make them come here more often? Um, How can you serve more groups of people? And so yes, there's like the total addressable market and the serviceable addressable market and those big numbers that can get overwhelming but also just like, how can you even serve one customer, but serve them longer? And those were the additional questions I'd like to add to this episode that we just didn't know how to ask at the beginning. But because we've had now the same customer upwards of a couple of years and growing and and bringing on more, we're able to see how do they evolve and how do we need to be changing alongside them? Yes, I love that. So true. We never stop asking questions or getting feedback and growing as much as we thought we'd get to a place where we just maintain and grow. It doesn't grow naturally. (laughs) We have to keep growing just as much as our business and customers do. whole city and country into your office with DeskPass, a co-working surface that gives you access to professional workspaces, meeting rooms, and private offices so you can enjoy the freedom to choose when and where your best work happens. You'll also be surrounded by other entrepreneurs and remote workers from a variety of industries to help take your business networking to the next level. Get a free trial and five free visits at DeskPass.com. Brex is the perfect financial solution for small businesses and newly founded startups. By offering credit cards, cash management, expenses, and accounting services all in one place, they help founders and their teams stay focused on what they care about most. You can open an account online in 10 minutes and get an account number, routing number, and credit cards instantly upon approval with no personal guarantee. Brex also doesn't charge fees to send checks, ACH, or wires, even internationally, and you earn up to eight times in cash back on your Brex card. With your credit, cash, and controls in one place, 
Brex is your financial operating system. You can go to brex.com slash freshman founders to submit a 10 minute application online to get a signup bonus, expedited onboarding, 5k in AWS credits, and many more bonuses up to $300 via in-platform rewards. Market size is a huge number that you should definitely determine before starting a business. And it's not totally obvious what that number will be, but, and there isn't a right or wrong answer either, what the market size needs to be for every business, but it is, it does help you determine how much money you'll be able to make, how much profit you'll be able to make. And that'll help you figure out, okay, is this, is this what I want to be? Is this the kind of money I'm trying to make? Uh, Is that enough? Is that plenty? And once you can really tell, okay, how many people are in the market that could potentially buy from me with this knowledge of who's also your competition, you'll really be able to start creating, uh, you know, revenue forecasting and being able to see what realistic numbers may look like. So true. And it can really, it can lay out what your marketing plan looks like, because if you're trying to obtain a certain number of customers in specific areas in the state, country, world, you can see where your addressable market is and then start to figure out what those campaigns can look like. And I mean, real life example, we have personally as a business struggled so much with really determining market size because even our end customer we've added new ones, we've changed. Yes, it's event planners, but there's different groups of event planners in different places. There's in-house incorporations, there's third-party planners, there's the more just like singular planner. And so we were kind of just looking at one group when we were getting started. And now it's grown so much, not to mention us also being able to do virtual, which brings in a whole new market potential for us because we can grow much further, not having to launch in physical locations. So your market size is also, it can fluctuate as you grow your business. But like Mackenzie's saying, it's so important to at least start somewhere. So at least you're asking yourself those questions because anyone that's thinking of partnering, joining the team or investing is going to need to know those answers. And something's really interesting that businesses, successful businesses have been able to do is actually grow the market. You know, once you have captured the majority of a market, you can actually expand that number through different marketing campaigns, or basically you're creating new customers in a certain way. There's actually an example I just read about a condom company was, (laughs) was they, they were like, they were the best. It was like, definitely they had the market share by far, you know, they were 90% of people were using this brand to buy condoms. And so they were kind of like, okay, well, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of tapped out here. We've maximized what we can do in this market of people that buy condoms all the time. Great. Their strategy was to then, and this might be inappropriate, maybe I'll even cut it out, but I think it was super interesting. And, but their strategy was to educate people on safe sex. So now they just created a whole new group of people that weren't buying condoms. Not sure what else they were doing, not being safe, but now they're going and using that brand to 
buy a product that they weren't buying any of the condoms before, but now they're going and buying theirs. I love that example because (laughs) that was another, and hey, all the power to them, educate on safe sex. Like what I love about that is it's another tier that uh, we were going to bring up is how education can become a part of also your marketing campaigns. And you have to have enough of the market share, like you're saying, but I, I feel like when we were getting started, being the educators and making the process easier by bringing that as a part of it was not on our it was not on in the forefront for us. Right. But but now we're, we're seeing that we, in order to capture more of the market, we have to provide education for them. So that's a great example. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, and it just shows that I think any industry is capable of creating more people, more customers. I think we certainly have not maximized our market yet, but I think we can eventually create new customers that maybe were never going to plan an event or book entertainment for their event. But once Mm -hmm. we show them how easy it is and how affordable it can be, we're creating new customers that will do it easily. For sure. And one example in our world really has been the opportunity to capitalize on the new virtual customer Um, Because we were just naturally working with more professional planners, those that were a part of large corporations planning big events, but virtual, like a family would want to create a family reunion virtually and create a whole experience. And that was great business for us, but that person would never normally have come to work with us. So it's also being able to take things that happen in the world and uh, turn people into customers by giving them opportunities through the marketing that you present to them or the education. Yep. The next thing to think about is how much will it cost to get started in your business? If you have to, if you need a physical product, certainly there will be some costs associated Uh, But if it's a service, you know, you'll have to start by maybe doing some marketing or giving some discounts to your first time customers. There's all kind. there's going to be some sort of cost, no matter what it is. Hopefully it's small, but you just need to know what it will be before launching in. And then once you know what it'll be, you can make a plan of, okay, is this a personal investment that I can cover? Am I going to have to bring in some help investment wise, get a loan or get some family and friends to buy into my idea or is it, or can I do it really cheaply and just this is something I'm doing on the side until it does start to work and kind of take over. You get more and more customers, people refer you, you know, organically you can grow that way, but you just will have to have a plan, I guess, before you do get started. Personally, it was hard for us to have a realistic idea of what things were going to cost and then in hindsight, hindsight ended up costing way more than we thought. And that's normal. But what I would recommend is even consider it like you're starting with a project and build a budget around that. And w- the project being launching, what does it take to launch the business? And then think of project two, what does it take to maintain the business, at least in those first six months, so that you can just have a general idea of what 
you're looking at. And I do think building out a budget um, is great because maybe there'll be a line item you never end up using, but then you can move that over to a cost you do need. And now we do that all the time. Like when we're thinking about, you know, a next marketing push or a next investment, or what is that next six months going to look like for us? You and I, we review the budget we start to, we look at our historical data. Of course, when you're starting, you don't have that, but we're always basing it off of what have we done and what do we want to do next? And so I definitely think at least really reviewing what you, you know, after your customer vetting and after looking at all the different potential costs, putting that together. So you have a solid number in mind. Yep. Exactly. And once you have a solid number, it will be a guess. I mean, there's no way to know exactly what everything will cost. Uh, But then once you at least know, you can have a plan around, you'll either know, okay, yes, I need to go raise money to make this start, or I can, you know, get started today, knowing it may not scale tomorrow, but it can at least get a customer in the door. And then there's options for if you have to raise money, you know, Family and friends is certainly a great way to do that, but that's not always available to everybody. There's banks that can help. You can get a loan from a bank a lot of times, or, and there's even banks that are great for small businesses and young entrepreneurs. There's banks that, I mean, we've banked with in Nashville, we've banked with a studio bank that they're great for people that want to get started, certainly in music, but in other industries too. Um, Regions has been a good one as well that we've had a lot of success with, but just get to know your banker. Like a lot of times they, we probably would never have gotten approved for a line of credit had we not just had a good relationship with our banker who believed in us and knew that what we were building could be successful. Definitely. I never would have guessed that having a good relationship with a banker as a startup would be a good thing, but it's been super beneficial for us and has given us flexibility. And then also there's extremely innovative companies coming up that are designed to help founders uh, work through their, their finances. And one of those is actually Brex. We have loved them. They are so helpful. They um, not only are an actual credit card for startups, but Mackenzie, do you want to talk a little bit about them? Yes. Brex is one of our sponsors. So we love to talk about them, but we really do use them and believe that it's a great option for people just getting started because you don't have to guarantee anything personally, which you do in a line of credit, or if you're working with a bank, you do. And some, and if you don't necessarily have access to investors or you don't have enough time to raise money from VCs, angels, et cetera, Brex is a, comp- is a credit card that you can get that gives you cash back just like your other credit cards do, but it's for entrepreneurs, small businesses, startups. So they will give you this access to some credit that you can use for your business. And they're really supportive about the things that you want to build. So you don't have to spend time going and raising money. A hundred percent. It's just great to know about these companies that are built to work with startups. I did not know of any of those when we were getting started. So yeah, there's There's a lot. lot. There's There's so many resources and I would encourage 
I mean, there's thing, even like accelerators, which we've talked about doing. Those are great ways to really get started and get just a huge influx of resources, not just financially, but feedback from people that have been in those industries for a long time and can give you that mentorship and feedback. Um, there's all kinds of programs, like in, in pretty much any city, I'm sure they all, there's something you can find to go get, whether it's an entrepreneur center. I know Austin has the Capital Factory. They're, they're all over the place. And those are just great ways to start getting feedback and mentorship. Yes. If there is an expedited way to validate your idea, it's going through an accelerator. And it really puts the pedal to the metal. Yes. But it's also a huge commitment that you are taking the time to commit to this idea and really seeing it through. So that's an awesome point, Ken's, that an accelerator could be a great way to validate your idea. And the application processes are ridiculous at times. So that in itself is a great way to validate your idea because they're forcing you to have to think about all these things before even them considering you. So maybe one way could be download even an application, even if you never submit it and look at the questions they're asking, because those are the questions that are going to be expected for the founder to know in their business. So true. Great call. I love that. I mean, there's, I feel like every time we've done something like that, there's a question that neither of us necessarily know right off the top of our heads. And we're like, yeah, oh boy, got to think about that one a little bit more. And I mean, the more you know about your potential business, obviously the better planning you'll be able to do. Yes. Which leads us to, I believe the final question. I mean, we're, we're talking about, does anyone, will anyone pay for this? Is my market big enough? Do I have competition? How much money am I going to need to start? What am I going to need to get started doing? But also, what kind of business do you want this to be at the end of the day? We've had a lot of people come to us recently because they see us, you know, doing our thing. Uh, They want to know, man, like I have this idea. What do you think? How do I get started? And it's also, what are you doing right now? And what do you want this to look like? Is this going to be a side hustle? Is this going to be your full-time gig? Is this going to be a, do you want this to be a multi-million dollar and growing business, lifestyle business? We talked about it in the first one, but I think the way we've thought about this question has changed since we first did that episode, which I, which I think is kind of cool. Very true. It has changed. I even, I listened to it back And I remember we said, you know, we're not starting this to just end up on a beach someday. We're not doing this to make a ton of money. And while that's still true, I think we think about money in a different way Mm -hmm. after five years of doing a bit, having a business. And certainly that's just growing up too. I mean, starting it so young, we didn't have, never had any money and never really cared. And we've evolved in with our personal finances, but also I think we've evolved in where we see the potential of this company. You know, I don't think we ever knew we would be where we are now, let alone where we can be in five years. Mm -hmm. Like our five-year plan five years ago wasn't even at all what we're doing now, which is pretty cool. Very true. Yes. And that's, that's the beauty of just starting and growing it because it's not going to be at the end of the day, what you put in that three year or five year projection, but doing that 
will be a stepping stone for you getting to that next point. And I agree the, what kind of business do we want this to be? I've never been more excited for how big this can become. And it's just taken the experience to see we can really be the ones to acquire that market. So I think it would even be fun for someone starting out that idea, like write down, what do you want this business to be and come back to it? But I think it's always an incredible um, map that an entrepreneur lays out when maybe something's starting as that side hustle. And then when you make that leap for it to become your full-time gig, and then the next steps that even come from that, when you start to actually envision what the growth can look like. Validating your idea. It's very important. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Yes. This has kind of made me think that maybe we need an episode of validating yourself as an entrepreneur because the internal struggles are just as hard as I think as the external ones in the business. That is a great idea. I love that. I I think we totally have a whole episode's worth of content for that too, because yeah, even if your business is great and even if you're capable of running it, like, do you really want to? There's a lot that goes into running a business other than just trying to make money. It's tough. It's not for everyone. And we will be so honest as always about some of the struggles and things we've overcome in thinking through validating ourselves as the founders of this company. And this is a great place to start though, is coming back to how to validate your idea as a business owner and what might come up when you do that. So I'm glad that we have touched back on this one. Me too. It's very important and fun to talk through. Yeah. Well, and look at that. It's a episode worth hopefully listening to just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, we will see you next time on Freshman Founders. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions at founders at freshmanfounders.com. It's our email and website is freshmanfounders.com. We will be continuing to put out some episodes for the rest of the year. As you know, you would know where to find us. See you later.